0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit LifeCenterNYC.com. Thanks, Justin. Amen. God is so, so good. Lord, tell me what moves you. Come on. Holy Spirit, just come. Touch our hearts. Do what only you can do. I really believe the Lord is bringing us into a maturity in the season. And, uh,. it's about coming back to some foundational things in order to connect with the heart of God. You know, it's it really, it, God, it's, it's not about me. Tell me what moves your heart. How do I posture myself? How do I position myself to just flow with you? And... It's this place of friendship with God. He said in John 15, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But in friendship, he shares with us scripture says that Abraham was a friend of God. And when God was, when the Lord came and wanted to take a closer look at the cry that was coming up against Sodom and Gomorrah and he was about to go down and see, take a closer inspection. He said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing I'm about to do? Since... You know, Abraham is has got this great promise over his life, and he was a friend. So we shared with Abraham, and then Abraham t- took that posture of standing between the gap, right? And we see Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, because the Lord said, I'm I'm about to visit Sodom and Gomorrah, and if the outcry that has been coming up before me, I find it to be true, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Abraham said, Lord, if there's 50 righteous, would you still destroy it? And he said, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. And then he continued to bargain with the Lord. The part I want to focus on is that Abraham developed a relationship with the Lord such that the Lord would share his secrets of what he was about to do. And I truly believe that that's what God is speaking in this time and this hour, that he wants us to move beyond... just the fact that we're saved, but just starting to be a friend of God. God, tell me what moves you. Help me to, I want to partner with you, but if you, in order to partner with the Lord, we have to know him. We have to know his heart, what moves him. Friendship takes time. If you have a a good good friend you've probably spent years together i mean i i have friends for long periods of time i have friends that i've only met six months ago but the ones that i've have history with it's different i may develop history with the friends i just met six months ago and 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 that could be a blossoming friendship and a deep friendship i don't dismiss that but the ones I have history with have seen me in my good times and they've seen me in my difficulties and they've walked with me and they haven't given up on me they didn't write me off when I wasn't all that and I'm not all that (laughs) if you know what I mean Turn with me to Psalm 91. How many love Psalm 91? How many can practically recite it back without even looking? I mean, I think many of us. I was... Right, Tammy and I had the the privilege to um, go to... uh, what is it? There's there's a greater things conference with Randy Clark um, last week, and uh, Michael Culiano spoke, and he, he opened up with Psalm 91, and just I was wrecked the rest of the time. And it's not like it was some, he shared something that I've never heard before, I didn't know, or it was the simplicity, but the Holy Spirit was highlighting something. So let me, I'm going to just read through it, and then we'll take it apart a little bit. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over to you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone and you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, foot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want to sort of stop on verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place. I want to postulate that verse 1 is the contingent verse for everything else. It's dwelling in the secret place. If you set your heart, your mind, your your posture to to intentionally put yourself in the secret place of the Lord, then the rest of the promises of Psalm 91 are yours. I mean, if you, you skip down to verse 11, it says... I lost my place. Verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. <laughs> There's a place of dwelling. Webster's dictionary, Daniel Webster was a believer. I looked at the the 1828 dictionary that he wrote before others started modifying it. It says to dwell means to abide as a permanent resident, to inhabit for a time, to live in a place to have a habitation for some time or permanence. Dwell imports a residence of some continuance. It's you stay there. That's where you live. We use the term abide for a resting place or an overnight stay, or you might stay somewhere for an hour. But to dwell means to live. It's a dwelling the Lord wants us to dwell in the secret place. Turn with me to Matthew 6. God loves the secret place. Do you know why God loves the secret place? Part of our identity In, in Christ is that we are his bride we are the bride of Christ now guys don't get flipped out it, it, it's not a carnal thing it's a it's a it's it's a a place of union with God it's a place of union and he uses the natural things to give us a picture to rightly understand what he his desire for us so he said you know so in Ephesians it says I tell you a great mystery you know and about the, the union of a husband and a wife it's like Christ and the church so there's this union where you know someone so intimately you know their thoughts. You know they're actually. You know what they're going to be upset about. You know what they're not going to be upset about. You know. You just know them because of you've spent intimate time. All right, Turn, Matthew six, beginning of verse five. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' great sermon. Beginning of verse five, it says, "And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites." they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, not if you pray, there was never an if here, it's when, we're disciples, there are certain things that are expected of followers of Christ, so it's expected that you have a, a prayer life it's expected. He also says when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. When you fast. Let's not it's not an if. If you fast, then do it this way. No, when you fast. So, we need to start being followers, being doers of the word and not just hearers. Okay. So, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the Secret place. Where is he? He's in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now there's a time we love corporate prayer. There's a time and place. I mean we're a house of prayer. we gather for prayer, we have prayer sets and it's it, it's it's important. but it doesn't take the place. it's not a substitute for, the secret place. We need, listen, if if you're married, you know, God wants to give birth to things in your life. He's got vision in, and dreams for you. Conception takes place in a secret place. It's not on public display. I have three children. They were all conceived in a secret place. <laughs> My wife and I, with no one around maybe locked doors the shades pulled down etc because that that moment was very special it was intimate But we gave birth. A, there was a seed planted. I'm not trying to be funny. Every dream, every vision starts in seed form. And when it comes to full maturity, it's manifest to the rest of the world. God wants to pour out in you and I, his dreams and visions. Your destiny in the Lord will really come out of the secret place with him, with your friendship with God. And it can be costly. Now, you can't do anything to make God love you more. You can't. There's nothing you can do to get more of his grace, more of his love, etc. But here's the thing, his love's not in question. His love is never in question. Yeah. But where's our heart? Where's our heart? Where do we spend our time? Where do we want to commit to be? What are, we, what are we sowing into in our lives? Are we sowing into the secret place? God, tell me what moves you when you spend time in a secret place. It moves him. It moves him because you choose to turn away from other things, other appetites, things you could do, not necessarily bad things. You know, it all the the good things you could be doing, but you choose to spend time with him, understanding that your time with him is so precious and empowering that you can do his will. Jesus separated himself from his disciples and went off to pray, to be with the Father, so that he could walk with him. He understood the source from which everything of his life. You know, when Jesus was on earth, even though he was God, he surrendered all his God powers. He was fully man on earth. Fully man on earth. Meaning, he didn't do things because he was God. He was able to do things as a man in relationship to God. You and I are called to be imitators of Christ. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We're to, be, we're to do what he did. In order for us to do what Jesus did, we have to follow his example. And his example is spending time with the Father in friendship, hearing from heaven, and then going and doing what he did. Turn with me to John Fifteen. Beginning of verse one. I Jesus talking, addressing disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, every branch that bears fruit he prunes, that it may bear fruit. if anyone does not abide in me he is cast out as a branch and withered and they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they're burned but if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples as my as the father has loved me i have also loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full now this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you verse 13 Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Let's just stop there for a minute. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays, that he laid down one's life for his friends. Now, Jesus laid his life down for us, went to the cross, suffered excruciatingly painful death on a cross, which was a a torture symbol of the Roman Empire meant to instill terror and fear into the occupation uh, people. This is what happens to the enemies of Rome, and they just stay out there for two, three days, or sometimes longer, just suffering. But Jesus went to the cross. But then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Listen, you didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Jesus is inviting us to this place of friendship. And he's saying that this place of love is a place of being, laying down your life. He did it first, right? You know, it's not that we loved God. It's that he first loved us. And what did he do? He laid his life down for us. But now he's calling us in that place of love. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And greater love, what's this? The, The greater love is to be willing to lay down your life, your desires. Not my will, but yours be done. To step fully into this place of laying it down. And part of that, <clears throat> I really believe, is is the sacrifice because it it is a sacrifice of spending time in a secret place. Uh, I've been a Christian many years, and I've gone through different seasons, and I know that God is calling me to dedicated time back in a secret place, you, you know. We, 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 I think we've all gone through seasons where we, we, you set up a time and you spend an hour or more or less or whatever it is, but you spend dedicated time. You're committing to a certain amount of th- just to read the word, pray, and engage with the Lord in a secret place where no one else, you know. I mean, it's husband and wives. You should pray together, yes. We do corporate prayer on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Friday night. And it's all good. But you need to have a time of intimacy with God, where the doors are closed, the shades are drawn, and it's just you and him. And you engage with your Father in heaven because he's a friend. If you don't spend, we all have friends. There are friends that I spend a lot of time with. I share my heart. There are friends who are more like acquaintances. And he's not, listen, he loves you, you're saved. But I'm telling you, he's calling you higher, Okay. You don't want to just be an acquaintance of God, okay? You can say, yeah, we're we're friends. I mean, probably a lot of people, I use the term, sure, he's a friend of mine. I know him, you know. But there are people who are in my inner circle, who know my hopes and dreams, and I share, I, I do life with them. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is a person, and he wants to do life with you but it requires an investment. You don't develop those deep friendships without time. And so it's giving time in the secret place. The Holy Spirit is, is moving even right now, I'm telling you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He has many in this room that are friends, but the invitation is to all. He wants all to be friends of his, to know what he's doing. Um, Turn with me to John chapter 5. Beginning of verse (coughs) 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate Pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered and said, you know, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps down in before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. And he took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Now the Jews, therefore, said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And the man, he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is this man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. But the one who was healed didn't even know it was Jesus who had, because Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Now the man departed and he told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Do you think when Jesus was there that he intentionally did this miracle to rile up the the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees, do you think he intentionally did that? I don't really know. <laughs> but I postulate it was something just much more simple. I He was just following what his father was doing. You have to understand, Jesus wasn't going about just making decisions. I think I'll go here, I'll hang out at the Bethesda pool for a little bit this morning, and we'll. He was being led by his father. So let's. Okay, so let's keep reading. The man departed, told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well, and for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, and they sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But what Jesus answered listen to what he says. My father has been working until now, and I have been working. The Jews were taken back by that. It says, therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. But then Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. The Father was showing Jesus what he was doing, and Jesus partnered with the Father. Jesus's posture was much different, I think, than often my posture, maybe yours, I don't know. Um, But when he approached the Father in prayer, he he was communing with the Father, and he wanted to minister or serve the Father. So as he developed this relationship with God, which happens in the secret place, you need to spend time in order to develop relationship. We know that in the natural. Good friends happen when you spend time with them. They don't... Just meet John, John meet Bill. Now we're great friends. Not exactly. We may develop great friendships. I don't say that won't happen, but it's we spend time, there's ups and downs, you walk with somebody, and that's a friend I can count on. <laughs> you that's history when you know you have a friend that you can count on because you have history with them. Jesus developed history with the Father. It's not because he was God, it's because as a man, he learned to have a relationship with the Father because he spent time in the secret place. So when the Father was speaking, he was obedient. Now, we know, we just read in John 15, he's the vine where the branches. We can do nothing apart from him. Jesus said, I can do nothing apart from the Father. Whatever I see the Father doing, that's what I do. Do you see the connection between John 15 and John 5? Jesus was operating in the same principle. He was connected to the Father, and he's telling us we need to be connected. And and he says, I don't call you servants in John 15. I call you friends. Why? Because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. He wants you to be his friend because he wants to tell you the things he's doing. But then like Jesus when he tells you what he's doing, will you partner with him? Will you partner with him? What if it's uncomfortable? I'm touching the person online in front of you. (laughs) Will you be someone who he can share his secrets with so that you could share love and encouragement with that person from a place of hearing the father's heart for the person just in the grocery store or on the street or working next to you. I mean he Jesus said the father's always working. <laughs> he's always working. He's working till now, but he's looking for friends. He's looking for friends. I think there's a connection between intimacy with God and radical obedience to the Holy Spirit. It's willing not to um, simply learn more about God. There's a. There's a. There's a. I think a lot of the Western Church, we we keep expanding our knowledge, but unless we start doing the stuff, we become empty. It's because, you know, knowledge will puff you up, the Bible says, but love edifies. There's a doing of the word, like we can just get so full of the word, but if we're not out there executing, being imitators of Jesus, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, when he sent them out, he didn't say, now go to the best uh, Bible college or you know, synagogue or whatever, and learn it. He said, go out, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give. There is a doing that God is calling us to do. It's saying, all right, God, show me what you're doing, I'll step out of faith, and he'll meet you where you're at. Take the baby steps. It, it takes baby steps to progress up to the the big stuff. So, But if you're not faithful in the little... You won't be faithful into much, so you're not going to graduate from doing nothing to raising the dead. But if you're willing to take the steps of faith and pray for the co-worker who comes in who's got a cold and ask God to heal him, and you just start, you're stepping out in faith, so Holy Spirit, show me what you're doing. And it's not just, it's like, God, I want to I hear what you're doing. I, I, it's not, I want to heal the sick, so God, I'm going to find every sick person and I'm going to pray for them and please heal them. That's okay, but it's better to say, God, show me who you're touching. Show me who you're ministering to. Let me go over to them. What if it's that homeless person that I really don't want to get too close to? Are you a laid down lover? Are you willing to say, God, whatever. I'll pour my love on you. Show me what moves you. See, it's when we're willing to be led by the Holy Spirit, and not say, God, this must be your will. You know, uh, I'm just going to go and do it. That's a little bit of an assumption. We know generally what the will of God is, right? So we, we know how to walk in, in the will of God. And it's fine to pray for anyone who's sick. And we do it all the time here. I'm not trying to say that. But you do want to follow what the Holy Spirit is saying and doing. And if you And sometimes if you're not knowing what he's saying and doing, I I ask, are you asking him? Are you saying, God, show me what you're doing on my way to work. If there's someone you want me to stop for, you know, stop for the one. Uh, love on the one. <clears throat> Will you show me, and are you willing to do it? I think the more we cultivate that, the more we'll get. It's like to, to, to you know too much is given, right? I mean, it says, to the one who's given, even more will be given, right? If you if we act on it, you know. Uh, <coughs> when he gave the, the talents, the one who had 10 cities, he said, give it to him. And they were like, what? He's already got 10. Why are you giving him more? Because he was multiplying what he had. And when you're willing to, to multiply what the Lord has already given to you, it's going to increase. And so if we take, that talent that the Lord's given us, all right, I'm going to speak to you about this one and say, no, I'm just going to bury it in, you know. So it, it's going to take an obedience that's radical, but that's following the one. I believe today sometimes, you know, there may be an overemphasis on knowledge and not enough emphasis on what Jesus modeled, you know, taught and commissioned the church to do. He commissioned the church to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. We need to step into that. The commission to believers begins with intimacy, which opens the door to revelation. That staying in that secret place, spending time with the Lord, hearing his voice, reading his word, praying his word back to them, allowing the Holy Spirit to commune with you and you with him, you develop a hearing ear and then it opens the door to revelation. It opens the door to to knowing his voice, knowing his tell me what moves you. What moves you, God? And he's moved in compassion for all those he loves. And then if you say, God, I want to partner with that, and you step into it, you, it builds confident faith and allows miraculous works of the kingdom of God to be manifest. You want to move into power gifts. It, it's just following the Holy Spirit, and he's going to manifest them. The inbreaking of the kingdom of God on earth, it's on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of our daily prayer. God, not my will. Yours be done. Father, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It allows for the supernatural flow of God from humanity. And that's what really opens up the kingdom. Paul said, my preaching doesn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. That your faith may not stand on, a, on an argument, but on the power of God. The place where um, places on the earth, like in Islamic countries and other places, people are getting converted not by a persuasive argument. It's the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power and visitation, and they're like, you're God. And, and, and that's where we need to go. It's going to come from friendship with God, and friendship with God is going to take investment. And that means your time. You know, it means taking the time. All right. Last set of scriptures. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Beginning in verse 6. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall come near him. Verse 7. Oops, what? Verse 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I want to posture that this hiding place is the secret place. You are, God, you're my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Verse 8 kind of switches in the psalmist, and it's actually the Lord speaking now. and It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. How many want that? I will instruct you and teach you in a way you should go, I want that, Lord. Oh, but what does the next verse say? <laughs> I will guide you with my eye. That's beautiful. He's going to guide us with his eye. We're just going to know from the look in his eye. But then there's uh, sort of a, a correction or a warning, or, but I think we need to take this to heart. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, or else they won't come near you. Can we pause there for a second? The horse and the mule, they have a bit and a bridle. And have you ever, how many have ridden a horse or a mule? We, were, My wife and I, one time we were in, Greece and we were on the island of Santorini and we took these mules down the hill and they know where they're going and they even with the bit and the bridle it's like unless the the uh, you know the rancher or whatever you call them that takes care of them is moving them along they have a mind of their own and you're trying to move them and you're pulling on the the bridle etc they don't move and the Lord has given us an admonition here, he says, do not be like the horse or like the mule. See, God leads us with a still, small voice. There's promptings. You need, you and I, I'm talking to myself, believe me. We need to learn the language of the Holy Spirit as he's prompting and encouraging us. It starts by asking him and then doing what he says. If you harden your heart, it, it, it's, you're not going to learn the language of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and sometimes we can harden our hearts so much that you can say, I never hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe you have to go back to <laughs> the little things. But when you start to say, God, all right, I'm going to step out in faith and believe you, don't be like, I can't do that. That's, you know, what if that person rejects me? What if what if they think I'm weird? Um, you know, we, we're so concerned with our own reputation sometimes, we're not willing to let the Holy Spirit move us into an area that's, that we're not comfortable in. I think it, it's easy in, in this setting, right? You know, we're hanging out with people we'll say, can I pray for you? Or I, I just feel like the Lord's saying. And so we'll share an encouraging word, a prophetic word. We'll talk to people. But you feel safe because everybody's kind of in the zone here. We all believe the same thing. But when you get out there, that's really the mission field. And they don't walk in this same language that we walk and talk in. And it's 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 a risk, right? You, you're kind of putting yourself out there. But... God doesn't want you to be like a horse and a mule. you got to be like tugged and pushed and kicked and come on, go this way. He's like, don't be like that. Follow the still small voice. Follow my promptings. Learn the language of my spirit. And don't be so concerned with your own reputation. Lay it down. And he will start to just minister to us. I I was wrecked with this. uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Jesus said, when you pray, go into the secret place. Psalm 91 says, he who dwells, lives in, makes a permanent residence out of, the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then all of Psalm 91 comes with it. It's because he has made, (laughs) because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. I mean, that's friendship with God. He's called each and every one of us to this deep place of friendship, and the, but it's going to take some investment. Uh, I invite you to come on this this journey with me because I, I've been wrecked with recognizing that I can do a lot of good things, but like Jesus said to Mary of Bethany, or about Mary of Bethany, only one thing is needed, and she's chosen the better thing. Yeah, we could go. There's a lot of work to do. We've got to prepare this meal. Tell my sister to help me. And he says, Martha, Martha, you're concerned about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary's chosen the better thing. It's going to take a sacrifice because those other things are not unimportant. They're not unimportant. Unimportant. But I want to in- encourage you, carve out time. Make it a priority. It's, if we don't do it, it's because it's not a priority, and it's because we don't see the value. So can we all stand up? I want to pray... Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you Lord. Father, we'll just close our eyes. Father, I ask for a, a release of your grace, a release of understanding, that we place proper value on the things that move your heart. Father, give us the grace to set priority, to spend time in a secret place. I know because I've been uh, just as guilty of it as there's times when we just we do things on the run. We do it on the fly. We'll combine our prayer time with our, <clears throat> you know, commute. <laughs> and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But often it's not with a single eye. It's not with a focus. It's not with dove's eyes for the Lord. If you're married and you want to spend intimate moments with your spouse you really don't want them doing other things at the same time like yeah I want to be with you but wait I'm gonna do this and do that it's like no, no I want you here with me these natural examples we chuckle but these natural examples give us insight to what the Lord is asking of us. He doesn't want us always pulling double duty. If you're going to be with me, be with me. The other things are good too. You can, I'm not saying don't pray, like do that. But note that there's times when you have to have communion, intimacy with God. You, you know, in my marriage my, with my wife, there are times when we're busy and we just sort of catch up and still loving on each other. But we look forward to the times when let's just go out to dinner, the two of us. Let's not care about anything else. Let's actually look across the table into each other's eyes and just appreciate each other. Talk. And then spend the whole night, just the two of us. In an intentional way. Many times in marriage counseling we tell people you need to have a a date night. You need to plan time for the two of you to be alone and just to communicate, to be intimate and it's you know, it's not just a physical intimacy, but it's an intimacy of the mind, soul and spirit. It's it's the full it's coming into oneness and agreement and loving each other. And if we are the bride of Christ, that's what he wants of us. There are times when we pull away and just, I just need to be with you alone and just love on you and feel your love for me and just allow bridal intimacy to happen. So Holy Spirit, we just say, have your way in our midst. Have your way in our midst. Fill each and every one, God. You know where they're at. God's dealing with people individually right now. This is an encouragement, brothers and sisters. He so wants this. He's saying, arise, my love, my fair one. Come away with me. Come away with me. It's Song of Solomon, my beautiful one. He's so in love with you. He's crazy about you. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come.